He is the greatest comforter. And He wants to and can be and will be if we ask Him, if we surrender to Him. He will be our comforter. And folks, we need comfort in this miserable, wicked old world. Well, with your Bible open at John chapter 14, John chapter 14, I thought that I might remind you of something. This summer, I did a very special series on three sacred vows. Do you remember what they are? Number one, vow is what? Service. Service. It all begins there. Service. Number two, vow is what? Scriptures. We've got to search the Scriptures daily. Number three, vow is what? Suffering. Yeah. That's the one that a lot of people like to forget about. But that's an incredibly important vow to make to God. And when you make that vow, all of a sudden, the devil's got nothing on you. He doesn't have a handle that he can grab you and say, hey, where do you think you're going? Because you've given your body, you've given your, your creature comforts over to him. And any suffering that you uh, experience, now, again, you, you're going to still want to pray and try and you know, get your rest, take an aspirin or something, call a doctor, whatever you have to do. But it takes the, the fear away. It takes the bite and the sting out of it when you do that. And I want to encourage you, uh, if um, it's been a while, you may want to go back and rewatch those messages. They're still available. Pastor Devian, they're still available on the um, internet there somewhere. You go on the website. GBC Online, there you go. That's what you want. And GBC Online, you go there and you'll find them. And then I did three messages on prayer. Do you remember what they were? Uh, with the letter B, the first one is pray Big. Oh, we're forgetting that one, aren't we? Pray big. Pray big. Number two is what? Pray believing. Pray believing. That means that you've got to believe that God is able to do this. And number three is what? Pray B times. That means don't give up. Keep on praying. God makes us some incredible, wonderful promises in the Bible. It's like He lays them on the table. We come up to the table and we look them over and we say, yeah, we grab hold of one of God's promises. Right away the devil says, no, nah, you don't want that one. No, nah, that one doesn't work anymore. That one is only for a certain class of Christian and you're not it. Better put it back. And the devil tempts us to put down the promises of God. And what you and I need to do is pray big, pray believing, and pray be times. We need to take up the promises of God and hold on to them and not let go. And keep believing that God is able, even though circumstance may not look like it. You've marched around the walls of Jericho six days now, and nothing, not even a crack. Well, it's the seventh day. You've got to go the full, you know, the full distance. And then God gives the blessing. So those were messages on prayer. And again, it's something that you may want to review. Those two little mini-series will bless your heart and strengthen you. Today we're going to finish off this little mini-series on the Holy Spirit and why it is we absolutely need the Holy Spirit. And remember when we say that we need the Holy Spirit, we're acknowledging that all born-again Christians already have the Holy Spirit. But what we're saying is what the Holy Spirit can do in us and through us. And so we spoke about the Holy Spirit being the greatest teacher. We spoke about the Holy Spirit being the greatest I'll say leader or guide. He can guide you to make the right decisions. I'll tell you, I've made some real doozies, some real bad decisions. And as I look back on it, 
I was not being led by the Holy Spirit. Today, we want to deal with the third important aspect of what the Holy Spirit can do for us. Now, we have a hymn in our hymn book. I think it's 485, and it's a wonderful hymn. You all know it, um, or at least most of you would. And the thing is, we know who wrote the music. A guy named um, Albert Brumley wrote the music, no problem. But the words, Albert didn't write those words. Someone else wrote them, but we don't know who. Let me read for you the first few words of the hymn. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, Lord, what am I going to do? Well, it doesn't say exactly that, but you get the idea. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. So we don't know who it is that wrote those words, but I'll tell you, Christians who sing them down through these years sure are blessed by those words of that hymn. The music is pretty nice too. Um, I think most Christians realize that this world is not our home. I think most Christians understand and they realize, even though they may forget once in a while, they, live, they may live a little too much once in a while for this world, but by and large I think they understand that this world isn't our home. And folks, you know it. This world is getting worse. It's not the same world as it was two years ago, is it? Is it? Is it? No, it's getting worse. Worse and worse. In fact, this world is fast becoming under the total control of Satan, the way things are going. Bible-believing Christians are not welcome in this world. The love of many is waxing cold. Men's hearts are failing them for fear. And we may be coming to the very brink of world war once again, if you've been following the news. Now, to show you how crazy this world is, in the last two years, the need, the demand for mental health workers and for addiction services has skyrocketed. They can't keep up with the demand. There's money to be made in mental health services these days and addiction services. Incredible demand and need because the world is going nuts. That's why. Also, what's skyrocketing is crime. Mass crime everywhere. We're, we're learning more and more about these mass shootings. People go into a grocery store. We're walking down the street. All of a sudden, they pull out a gun. They just start shooting people randomly and they save the last bullet for themselves. We're learning more and more of that thing. Every week, we look in the news and say, okay, what new sicko has done, has done what? But it's not just the sicko with the gun. It's the economy. The economy is reeling out of control, like a, staggering like a drunk man. The weather is changing around the world. Increase in volcanoes, increase in uh, earthquakes, increase in diseases. It's not just COVID we have to worry about. Now it's all the variants of COVID. And it's not just these things, but it's the politics as well, all over the world. Everything is going nuts. It's, it's raging out of control. And then on top of all of that, 
the Lord asks you and I to be the salt and the light of the earth. Well, question, time out, question, how can we be the salt and the light of the earth when we ourselves sometimes are reeling from all of the shockwaves that this world delivers our way? How can we do it? How can we keep our sanity? We even find sometimes Christian brother rising up against Christian brother and over such things as, as a COVID wars and vaccinations and masks and things and brother is going against brother even over some of these things. What is the answer? How do we remain calm, cool, and collected in this old dark world? Well, the answer is the Holy Spirit. Folks, he's our secret weapon. The Holy Spirit is our answer. And the Holy Spirit wants to be our comforter. Over the last two Sundays, we've learned how the Holy Spirit is the greatest teacher in the world. There's no better teacher than the Holy Spirit. And if you have a hunger for truth, you need to let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. We've learned that the Holy Spirit is the greatest leader, the greatest guide in the world. There's none better. And if you need guidance in this world and you need Him to take, your, take you by the hand and lead you through uh, a series of decisions, you won't find any finer guide or leader than the Holy Spirit. You need to tap into His power. And today, we are going to learn the third aspect of why it is we absolutely need what the Holy Spirit can do for us. He is the greatest comforter. And He wants to and can be and will be if we... Ask Him if we surrender to Him. He will be our comforter. And folks, we need comfort in this miserable, wicked old world. Let's have a word of prayer and then let's look in the Scriptures. Our Father in Heaven, we thank You for the wonderful Holy Spirit. Thank You that we have access to this third person of the Trinity, this amazing silent partner. Help us to be quiet and to be calm and, and to be sub submissive before the Holy Spirit. And then may he do his whole, full, complete job in our lives. And so, Lord, we yield ourselves again to you. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, too many Christians, I think, look to the world for, for their source of comfort. I think that's a mistake. Too many Christians that are not fully committed to the Lord are looking, well, where else can they look? They look to the world. And they're looking for their source of comfort. But I'll tell you, this world is a miserable comforter. This world, all this world has to offer are worldly things. And their so-called comforting words are just hollow words of support. The comfort of this world is deceitful. And at times it's really no better than Job's three miserable comforters. And basically all they did was accuse him of sin. And folks, have you noticed that that seems to be what's happening in the world today? The devil is getting the upper hand. And you watch. This is going to come full circle around the Bible-believing Christians. You watch. It's going to happen. It has happened, and it's going to happen a lot more. This world hates Bible-believing Christians. Bible-believing Christians are not comfort comfortably at home in this world. This is not our home. The Lord has called us to serve Him, and He's going to call us home to our, our real home. With Him up in heaven. That's where we belong. That's where our citizenship is. That's where uh, our mansions are. And one day Jesus is going to come and He's going to take us. And we need to keep our eyes open. Our theme this year over here on the wall is looking for that blessed hope. That's that coming of Jesus in the air to catch us away. And it says, will Jesus come in 2021? 
Well, he didn't come in 2020. We know that. But he might come in 2021. There's still time. There's still a few months left. And so we need to be uh, on the watch for that. But the world is calling some of our Christian beliefs hateful. They're looking at some of the things that we believe in because they're biblical, and they're calling it hateful. And so you keep your eyes open because the world is going to, the devil is going to use the world and come right back on Bible believing Christians who love the Lord Jesus. Satan hates the Lord Jesus. Satan is trying to destroy the Bible. And here we are, targets. And he's going to find some way to do it. But Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit um, in John chapter 14. But also, if, if you turn back two or three pages to chapter 7, you'll see that Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit even back here in John chapter 7. Look please with me at verse um, 37. John 7, 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, this was the Feast of Tabernacles that was in Jerusalem. And Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So here the Lord Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit even way back then. Now we go back to chapter 14, and we see in our scripture reading uh, from verses 16 to 18 that the Lord now spoke again of the Holy Spirit, referring to him as a comforter, capital C. He said in verse 16, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. Here we go. Whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And that happened on the day of Pentecost, not, not long after. Jesus promised, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And if you look again at verse 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So the Holy Spirit was promised to come and to do this marvelous job of comforting. And that's exactly what he did. In fact, let's take a look at that. If you go to the book of Acts, chapter 9, turn to the right, there's the book of Acts, chapter number 9. And if you look at verse 31, Acts 9.31, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified, that means built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the, what's that word? Comfort. Say it with me. Comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. So you see, the Holy Spirit has this wonderful job of comforting. Now before we go any further, we need to get a good handle on the word comfort. We need to get a good definition of the word comfort. If I were to ask you, what do you think the word comfort means? You might say to me, well, pastor, um, it seems to me that the word comfort has something to do with uh, warmth, uh, fuzzy feelings, 
soft, um, you know, just kind of comfiness. And I can't fault you because there is that element involved. We, we use the word comfort mostly today with that element in mind, but that's really not what the word comfort means. The word comfort has some of those soft, warm fuzzies involved, but the word comfort has a lot more uh, in it than what meets the eye. Now, uh, we'll, take, we'll, we'll dissect the word for just a moment. The root word of comfort is fort, F-O-R-T. And fort is a, uh, a shortened f- version of a Latin word. That's where the word comes from, from the Latin roots. And fort is a shortened version of forte, fortare. Pardon me, I stand corrected, fortare. That's the Latin word fortare. And what that means is strong. Fortare means strong or strength. Now, our musical friends, when they read their music, they'll come come upon this little word forte. You see, it found its way into Italian. And forte, F-O-R-T-E, means loud. So the idea means like strong sound, loud. And so the musician, as they're playing along or whatever they do, you know, they come and it says forte, then they beef up the volume. They put more volume to it. When they have fortissimo, there's the fort again. Fortissimo, it means, anyone? Very loud, yeah. Very loud. There's a time and a place to be very loud. Sometimes. Sometimes you're allowed to be fortissimo. Sometimes you're just allowed to be forte. But this is the whole idea of the word. Fort means strong or strength. In fact, it found its way into French. And French also has fort, meaning um, like a castle, like a stronghold, like a fortified city. A fort, you know? A fort. And so it's that whole idea of strength. So that's what the root word of comfort means. Strength, strong. Now, the prefix, C-O-M, come. It's again from a Latin root, and it means together or with. Together or with. And so literally, the word comfort means getting your strength together. Getting your strength together. Or I have another, maybe a better definition of it here for you. Uh, It means the action of intensifying strength. The action of intensifying strength. That's a good definition for the word comfort. Now, the the amazing thing is that when we get our strength together and we're strong, it feels good. And there's your warm, fuzzy feelings of comfort. So when we talk about comfort, we're talking about being strong, getting your strength together. But the word comfort is so branded on our brain to feel warm and fuzzy that I'm probably just going to throw in the word strength there as well. So strengthening comfort or strength, I'm talking about comfort. Comfort, I'm talking about strength. You get the idea? So it's important that we get this definition down. And this explanation, this explanation of the word uh, comfort fits exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Because folks, the Holy Spirit was not sent from God to give us warm, fuzzy, comfy feelings. That's not why the Holy Spirit was really given to us. The Holy Spirit was given to us to strengthen us so that we can live our lives 
in the midst of a miserable world, a crooked and perverse world. The Holy Spirit was given to us to strengthen us and make us strong so that we can live for Jesus the way we ought to. That is the job of the Comforter, is to really strengthen us. And when you get your strength together, it feels good, so you do get a few warm fuzzies in there as well. Now, understand that God has long time been a comforter of His people. King David wrote Psalm 23. You remember that one? And you remember he said, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You see? That idea of strength. I can be strong. I don't have to be afraid. I can be strong because my good shepherd is right here. In Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet, in chapter 40, verse 1, he said, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. And that whole idea of getting your strength together. We're downtrodden, we're tempted, we're tried, we're made fun of, we're browbeat. The Holy Spirit comes and gets us back on our feet and strengthens us to do right and live right and be what the Lord wants us to be. Praise the Lord, that's a job of the Holy Spirit. He's our secret weapon, if you will. It's because of the Holy Spirit that Christians have triumphed over the grave all these 2,000 years. It's because of the Holy Spirit that even though some of them were driven down underground into the catacombs in the, in the city of Rome and they had to spend the rest of their days down under the sun in the catacombs and try and live and hide from the Roman persecution, they were still able to take a, take a, a stone and, and to scrape the word vita, vita, life, life on the walls of their catacombs graves. You see, it was the Holy Spirit who did that. The Holy Spirit can and wants to be our comforter if we will surrender our lives to Him and let Him control. In this wonderful age of grace, we have the Holy Spirit. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote about this very same strength in 2 Corinthians. I want you to turn there now to the right. Go past Romans the first and then second Corinthians in chapter number one. Look at this. Second Corinthians chapter one. And I think I'm going to get you to help me to read here. Verses number three and four. Will you do that? Verses three and four. Second Corinthians, not first, second Corinthians chapter one, verse three and four. Let's read now together. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Oh, that is quite a mouthful. Here, the Apostle Paul mentions this word comfort Five times, five times in just two verses. That means it's an important word, a very important word. And when you think of it more in terms of strength, power and strength, rather than warm fuzzies, it sure makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Who comforteth us in all our tribulation. All of the times the devil and the devil's little minions are trying to step on us, and the Lord is there to strengthen us. It's like they try and shoot us and the bullet bounce off. Hmm? That's the strength that the Holy Spirit is able to give. Now you know I'm speaking 
symbolically, metaphorically about that bullet business. You know that. Don't go at home and try this thing, you know, on anyone. It's, it's the strengthening of the inner man. That's what we're after. And that's what we need, folks. That's absolutely what we need. I believe with all my heart, with all my heart, that um, the Holy Spirit has that job of comforting, strengthening God's people. And He wants to and He will if we ask Him. Now do you see why we need the Holy Spirit? Do you see now why we really, really need what the Holy Spirit can do for us? Now you might be wondering after we read verse 4, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, and, and then uh, it says, then we go out and we help comfort others in verse 4 there. So we're supposed to go and, and those of us who are comforted are now to go out and comfort someone else. And you might wonder, well, why do we need to do that if it says in verse 4 that God comforts all of us? Why do we need to go and comfort some? Isn't God already comforting that one? No, the answer is God, don't miss this. This is important. God only comforts, strengthens, comforts the fully surrendered Christian. There's a lot of Christians, but not all Christians are fully surrendered to the Lord. Some are kind of, you know, leaning on the fence, half half in the world, half in heaven kind of thing. Now they need to be fully committed to the Lord. That's what God wants. You know, when, when my wife said yes to me, you know, and I, would you marry me? And she, she said yes. Um, she, what she was expecting was to get all of me. She wasn't expecting to get half of me. Well, honey, you have to understand, you know, you're not the only fish in the sea. And there are other good fish out there too. And they need me as well. So I'm going to give half of my heart to you, my dear. And then there's another girl down the hall. I'm going to give her half my heart. She'd stand up and say, you can take your ring back. She'd hit me with the flowers. She'd throw out the candy. She'd say, out of here. And she'd, she'd help. <laughs> and I wouldn't blame her, really. I mean, what kind of a proposal is that? When, gentlemen, when you propose to your wife, didn't she have the understanding she was going to get all of you? When you came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm a sinner on my way to hell. My life's a mess. Jesus, save me. Take me to heaven one day. Come into my heart. Forgive my sin. Don't you think Jesus was expecting all of you? All of you? Not just a part of you? Not all Christians are fully surrendered to the Lord. What a shame. You know, it's like a, a husband who's, you know, half his heart for his wife and half his heart for that girl down the hall. It's like a wife who's got half her heart for her husband and half a heart for this nice guy that she met at work. Folks, it doesn't work that way, does it? We need to give all our heart to the Lord. All our heart to the Lord. That is the only and proper way. And what God will do is He will strengthen and comfort those Christians. Those that are fully surrendered. That's why it's so very important that we do this. Um, I'll tell you what. There are people out there that need comfort. That we can give. When we are fully surrendered to the Lord. God strengthens us. Comforts us. Hey, don't you feel better after church is over? You know, we've, we've had a great service together. And we, we leave. Don't you feel strengthened? That's the Holy Spirit who's doing that in your heart. He's giving you those good feelings, but that's strengthening. You're able now to go to someone else in that strength and help someone. 
say, what kind of people? Well, there are unsaved people that need to be strengthened, believe it or not. Say, why do they need to be strengthened? They're unsaved. They need to be strengthened and comforted to help encourage them to come to the Lord. Because otherwise, they're going to die and go to hell. And they need to feel the presence of the Lord somehow. So you now, being full of strength and comfort by the Holy Spirit, you go and try and comfort and encourage someone else who doesn't know the Lord. You are encouraging them to come to Jesus. And then, of course, there are Christians that are not fully surrendered. They need comfort too. Because they're confused. Sometimes they're hurt. Sometimes the devil has really beat them up badly. You'd think that they'd come, huh? I mean, it's a no-brainer for some of us. They just come to the Lord, say, Lord, I'm sorry, fix whatever the problem is. But sometimes they don't do that. But they need comfort as well. Say, why should we comfort them? You know, some people wonder why God is so good to unsaved people. Because He's God, that's the God He is. He gives the sun and the rain to the just and to the unjust. To the farmer who loves Him and the farmer who hates Him, God still helps grow their crops. God still keeps their heart beating. God still gives good marriages and healthy children to unsaved people who shake their fist at God. God does that because He's a God of love and kindness and goodness. And no one ever, ever will stand at the throne of judgment and say, you were not kind to me. Because that's not true. God has always been kind. Always. And now we need to be kind to others as well. Sometimes you'll even find a fully trusting, fully committed Christian that needs a little bit of comfort as well. And so we have that ministry, that job, and we are to do that and praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit will fill your cup and the overflow will bless others. That's why you really need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life is so that the overflow can now really help others. Maybe people in your own family Maybe people at school or at work or the next door neighbor need some comforting. Now there's one last way in which the Holy Spirit comforts us. At least one last way I want to talk about. And that's to do with the promise of Jesus coming. For that I'd like you to turn to the right to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter number 4. And this is a familiar passage to so many Christians. It talks about the coming of our Lord Jesus in the clouds. There are sort of two aspects, if you will, of the second coming of Christ. One is where He comes in the clouds, He takes His, his beloved home to heaven. Then the world goes through seven years of tribulation. And then at the very end of that, the Lord Jesus comes back physically to earth. Now that is more referred to as the second coming. Sometimes we we interchange these terms and we probably shouldn't. But the second coming of Christ really deals more with his actual physical coming to earth at the end of the seven-year tribulation time. But his coming in the clouds, we call it the rapture. The catching away of his bride where he comes. And some people say, oh yeah, like that'll never happen. Oh, you don't count on it. I mean, are you limiting God? This is his promise here. So we have it here, starting in verse number 13. If you'd like to follow along, Paul wrote, but I would not have you to be ignorant 
brethren, concerning them which are asleep, those are Christians that have died, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. You know, the hope is, look at it over there, the blessed hope in Titus chapter 2, verse 13. Our hope is Jesus is going to come any minute and boom, take us home to be with him. That's the hope. And there's a lot of people that do not have that hope. So Paul was writing and saying, sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, God will bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent, that means to go before, shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself, as Jesus, shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And the dead in Christ are those who sleep in Christ. Um, every day people are dying. Every day Christians are dying all over the world. What's going to happen? Well, their soul goes to be with Jesus in heaven. But then, one day, Jesus is going to take all those people that are in heaven... He's going to bring them back and reunite them with a resurrection body. They will rise first. That's what it means there in verse 16. The dead shall rise first. Verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So we will have changes made to our bodies. We'll be caught up together with these resurrected saints. We'll all have now resurrection bodies to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. We won't be separated from Him anymore. This is a tremendous promise of His coming. But now I want you to notice the last words, verse number 18. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Isn't that interesting? That's very interesting. We get comfort, we get strength. You say, how does it work? It works like this. The world is going to pot. Politics are falling apart. Economies falling apart. Diseases, everything that we mentioned, plus a lot more we didn't mention. Everything is turning topsy-turvy. But Jesus could come any second. He could come before the service says its final amen. By the way, if Jesus did come during the church service and boom, took us all to heaven, uh, would anyone be left behind? Would there be anyone here in this auditorium? Or you folks watching from home, would there be anyone left in your home, left behind? Now that's a good question. Pastor Ivan, he got saved because the light bulb went on. When Brother Rossi was preaching about the second coming of Christ, the and the imminency of Christ's coming in the rapture. And he realized Christ could come at any moment. I'm not ready. And that's when he got saved. That's a pretty good reason to get saved. Some people get saved because they realize about hell. And what hell is all about. And that's a pretty good reason to get saved too. I'd say just about any reason is a good reason to get saved. But here we're told specifically in verse 18, wherefore comfort one another with these words. And we can comfort each other with the fact Jesus is coming.
it's pretty bad out there. My job looks shaky. I just came from the doctor and he, he's got a, a worried look on his face about my health. But Jesus could come this very day. Things don't look so good in the world. But this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Yeah, I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Jesus is coming. It could be today. I wonder if it'll be today. I hope it's today. Are you coming, Jesus? I'm ready. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to do what you want me to do. Because you could come for me today. Boy, what comfort that is. What strengthening that is. Hallelujah. What a great way to live your life. Huh? What a great way to live your life. You know what a miserable way to live your life is? Knowing that Jesus could come any minute. But yet you're sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning. Knowing he could come any second. That's the most miserable way to live your life. Because you know you're going to get caught. A Christian man that I led to the Lord many, many years ago somehow got himself involved accidentally. Oh, the devil was in there with the wrong woman. And he ended up doing things he shouldn't do with this wrong woman. And the, the Lord brought it to my attention. And I thought, oh no, oh no, no, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord was telling me, you need to go and get him out of there. Oh, I don't want to do this. <sighs> so, I think it was about 11.30 at night. I went to the, to the house and knocked on the door. Kept knocking until the light came on. And uh, the lady stuck her head out the window and I said, could you ask so-and-so to come down? And I waited there for what seemed like eternity. And finally the light, the hallway came on and this man came down the, the steps slowly, absolutely broken. And he opened the door and he, he fell on my shoulder and I hugged him and he wept and I wept. And he said to me, I knew, I knew, I knew the Lord kept telling me, be sure your sin will find you out. I knew this was going to happen. Boy, did that ever speak to my heart. This man got a victory and God blessed him. And he is a happy, solid Christian for a lot of years now, living and rejoicing with the Lord. But he had a very weak moment. But all during that time and it wasn't years or months it was just a few weeks just a couple of weeks but he knew he would be found out that's the worst way to live knowing that you're sinning and knowing you're going to get found out it's far better to run to the lord today lord i've messed it up lord would you please forgive me and fix things and if you need to make things right with someone, you need to make things right. But do it God's way. Because you'll be the winner. The Holy Spirit is there to give you strength. Folks, we've got to finish here. Over the last couple Sundays, I've done my best to show you why we absolutely need the Holy Spirit. 
He is the greatest teacher. He's the greatest leader. He's the greatest comforter. Tell me, do you find yourself in need of truth? You need the Holy Spirit. Do you need, do you find yourself in need of decision making and, and leadership and what you're going to do, what step you're going to make? Well, you need the Holy Spirit. And are you in need of strength? Has the devil been grinding his heel into the back of your head? Has the, has the world been down on you? You need the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you one last little true story and we're done. Back in, let me get the math right here. January, February of 1975. I was still about 18 years of age. And I was going to this little church and I was sitting like you're sitting and I was listening to the preaching and the Holy Spirit was tugging on my heart, encouraging me to get saved. And they would have an altar call and I would come forward and get on my knees and say, Lord, I don't even know what I'm doing here. Lord, I don't even know what the problem is. And I'd get up after and I'd go back to my seat. And I would do this Sunday after Sunday. And I figure, well, maybe if I do it enough times, Something will happen. I had no power, zero power, to live the kind of life I wanted to live. You know why? Because I, ne- I didn't have the Holy Spirit. That's why. The Holy Spirit wasn't in me because Christ wasn't my Savior at that point. And it was only after April the 6th, 1975, when I finally said to the Lord, I understand it now. I'm the sinner on my way to hell. You're the Savior on the way to the cross and you died for me. You bled for me. You dipped your soul into what I owe in hell. You died, was buried, and you rose again. Lord Jesus, I want you to forgive my sin. Only you can forgive sin. Forgive me my sin. Come in my heart and be my Savior, my Sovereign, my Lord, my God. And take me to heaven one day. Sunday, April the 6th, 1975, I got on my knees and I prayed that. And the Lord came into my heart and I was a new man. After that, boy, the Lord did some exciting things in my life. But prior to that, I did not have the Holy Spirit, so I had no power. If you're wondering why you have no power, either you're not saved, or you are saved, but you're not fully surrendered to the Lord, because God only does that for fully surrendered Christians. Would you stand to your feet, please? Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.